Hey everybody, I'm Joe Kim from the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Today we are speaking with Daniel Stemmler, who is a co-CEO and co-founder of Calibri Games. Those guys are best known for their idle game titles, Idle Miner Tycoon and Idle Factory Tycoon, which have achieved just about 100 million downloads, according to Sensor Tower. In our discussion today, we talk about Calibri's origin story, their process for new game development, we dig deep more specifically on how they structure their processes and some of their key philosophy, learnings, and mistakes that help them towards so much success, even as relatively young entrepreneurs building Calibri right out of university. So what were the secrets to their success and what were some of the biggest mistakes and learnings? Find out right now in our conversation with Daniel. And Daniel, I thought we could first start by speaking more about Calibri. Um, I, I believe the company is best known for Idle Miner Tycoon, but can you talk more about how you would describe Calibri as a company? Sure, of course. Um, so with Calibri Games, we focus completely on idle games, and this is what we are good at, I would say. Uh, we, <laughs> right. we founded a company roughly three years ago back in South Germany, Karlsruhe, uh, and then moved to Berlin to keep growing. We are Roughly 100 people now have two games on the market with Idle Miner Tycoon and Idle Factory Tycoon and uh, will probably build a third game next year. Right. And Calibri itself has had a pretty impressive origin story. Just, my understanding is that you, know, you guys were sort of first-time and very young entrepreneurs who kind of made it big. Can you talk a little bit about the history starting off as Fluffy Fairy and, and how you guys sort of started out? Of course. So we basically started out of university and our goal was always to build a company. And we tried it out a few times in South Germany, it's super conservative. So everything we did before was like an automotive or something related to B2B um, while being enrolled in uni. And unfortunately, those projects all did really scale. In the beginning, we really failed at some point. We became better, earned some money with those projects but it was clear that they won't scale to the, to the company size that we want to build. Um, and eventually we, we discovered mobile gaming. Of course, we played games since we were kids. We started with PC console, eventually switched to mobile because it's easier to integrate uh, in our daily lives. And then we, we decided to combine both, uh, both things to build a gaming company and to really try to scale it. Right. And then what, what about in terms of yourself, Daniel? Can you tell us a little bit more about you? I know you got you... When, you, know, you don't have a long work history, but uh, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about um, your background and your, your sort of interest in gaming. Sure. So um, from the gaming side, um, I played a lot of like strategy games. Um, I played a lot of Warcraft 3, Age of Empires, uh, Command & Conquer, like all the typical um, strategy games and also sometimes shooters uh, and more action-based games. Um, so for me, like building something up in games felt always natural, and this is the thing that uh, I all like that we ensured in Idle Miner Tycoon as well. That you have that strategy building aspect in the game, and from the business side, so I was always on the edge of computer science and business. And in Germany, we have a lot of sort of mixed studies, um, and I basically during my studies had fifty percent computer science, fifty percent business. So I know how to code. In the early days when we didn't, or when we were a very small team, I also coded a lot on the game itself because there was nothing else to do. At some point, um, our CTO told me to 
not code anymore because we had a few people that could do it better than I could. Uh, <laughs> but I have a technical background. And um, of course, but now in my role, I think the technical background is key to be able to make the right decisions. However, I also have the business understanding of building a company and scaling the company and making sure that at the end of the day, we have more money on the bank account than uh, we did at the start of the day. Of the right. Day. And so we're going to focus our discussion today in terms of new game development, especially with respect to approach, processes, and philosophies around how to make new games as successful as possible. And just to give context to our audience, um, so can, can you tell us, you know, Calibri's experience in, in this area? I mean, there was definitely a big success with Idle Miner Tycoon and Idle Factory Tycoon. So maybe we can start with those games. Can you walk us through like, the process and team involved in each of those games? Sure. So when we started Idle Manager we basically had no idea about uh, the gaming market. We, we had a prototype before um, that didn't work out. Maybe we can talk about that later. But with Idle Manager we decided to go into Idle to integrate the world building aspect, but to also integrate the accessibility from uh, the casual side of gaming. And um, then our goal was clear that we want to go on the market as fast as possible and to get real feedback as fast as possible. To ensure that, we basically, when we started the project, we invited all our friends and colleagues and everybody we knew two months in advance to our release party so that we had to have a game in two months' time. <laughs> and now the, the thing is, like, if you, have, if you really have to have a game, then you start taking shortcuts and you start thinking about what is really necessary for the core of the game and what is something that you can add later. And so instead of like just building a huge game and adding everything from the beginning because we think everything is good, we, we broke the game down to the pure core loop, to the very thing where we thought will decide if the game is successful or not, which in Idle Tycoon is the mine aspect where you just dig deeper and deeper. And we decided to build the first iteration only with the core loop, and not add anything on top. Uh, and this way, we were actually able to then release the game um, after those two months. Um, it, it had one video placement, no in-app purchases, no localization. The game was basically finished after two or three days because there were not enough levels. Uh, there were a lot of technical issues. But for us, the very important thing was to learn if people actually want to download and play the game or not. And we got lucky people downloaded the game and they came back. So day one retention was around 75%, um, which we learned from our, pe from our or from people in the industry then was pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, we, I would say. <laughs> um, so, so we knew the game is worth investing. And then we actually kind of like started building a company. But before that, it was all about just getting the game out. It was only uh, the co-founding team. We had no resources. We worked from our, from our student apartment in the living room. Um, and the whole focus was building a game that works. And then on like the go live side, we also had no idea about uh, soft launch or all that stuff. So what we did was we wanted to reach a broad audience as fast as possible. So we uploaded the game to Apple and Google. Uh, and then we got lucky to, to get significant organic traffic. And so we didn't have to think about use acquisition in the early days. Right. And then... So you guys were university students, and yet I think the, the approach that you guys used in terms of focus, focusing on the core loop, 
and not trying to do too much and things of that nature seems to be an approach and philosophy that I would expect from a more experienced team. And so what kind of informed you guys or how, how did you guys come up with that process? So the main reason for the process was because in our previous projects, we didn't use a lean, uh, lean startup approach and failed. <laughs> uh, and this was like wasting um, months over months on projects that right. were obviously not going to be successful after two months or so was the biggest learning for us. So uh, you, guys were, you guys were young and coming out of university, but you had worked on projects together yeah. before. And, and so when you guys were developing this game, it was based upon some of the experience from those previous projects. Is exactly. That also like our very first prototype when we had really no idea how to build games because we never... Uh, work with Unity or anything was also way too big and we had to kill it after like two or three months because we wanted to build a strategy game with 10 versus 10 multiplayer which obviously uh, would, wouldn't have worked out with uh, our project size or team size um, but yes, yeah, so the, the main learning was by doing it before and I believe that um, building a company is always similar no matter if it's in gaming, if it's in B2B if it's in if it's a social network, you always need to focus on your customer. You need to build or provide something that your customers want. And you need to figure that out as fast as possible. And nobody cares if you build some awesome function into your product that, uh, if nobody will ever see it. So, and this was our core belief. And, uh, and I believe that the best way to learn it is by doing it wrongly before and learning it the hard way. Got it. And, and, you know, so definitely big su success with Idle Miner Tycoon and Idle Factory Tycoon. And just kind of looking back, you know, besides like the, the process and approach that you guys took, would you say that there were, you know, or in your mind, what were some of the most important factors in the success of those titles? Um, so I think for Idle Miner Tycoon, it was the combination of uh, Idle as a core gameplay. We mm -hmm. never punish our players. You always progress. You, you basically cannot lose the game. You can't do anything wrong. You can just do good decisions that will improve your game or you can do better decisions that will improve your game faster. Or, uh, and there's nothing, like, nothing punishing the players. And this is core, but combining it with accessibility so that everybody can play it. So back then when we started, there were some idle games on the market, but they were very core, very niche. Like, and, and I knew that like, like my mom would never play those games because they were very numbers heavy, very dark, um, but they had a really, really good core mechanic. Um, and our, our core belief in which turned out to be right was that this core mechanic works for broad audiences and we just had to build a game around those core mechanics that make, uh, make them visible. And where they, like and if you play Idle Mario Tycoon or Idle Factory Tycoon, it's very visible how you progress. You go deeper and deeper, then you at some point have multiple minds and you have multiple continents. And you don't even need to look at numbers. You don't need to understand uh, the math behind it. You can just play visually. Um, but at the same time, and this is very important for us, the game is still very deep. And we have a lot of players that are really into it to build their Excel simulators to optimize their gameplay. Uh, and we were able to combine both worlds to have the accessibility for everybody, but then also have the deep gameplay for people to stick around for years. And I think this was key in our success. Got it. And then, I, you know, obviously those games were successful, but were there some mistakes that you guys made? And then if so, how did you overcome those mistakes? 
So I would say like for Idle Factory Tycoon, we tried to go more into like more mid-core gameplay. So the idea was to boost to focus more on in-app purchases by having a more complex core mechanic. Uh, but in the end, this turned out to be a mistake because uh, most people that downloaded the game didn't want the more complex game mechanic. Uh, so in the end, we haven't, like, as a victory, they couldn't start a successful game. It's profitable, it earns us good money, but it's obviously not as successful as Admiral when We believe the, the main issue there was to, to kind of like deviate from what we were good at, what made Admiral successful, and try to go more into the mid-core direction. Okay, and then uh, you obviously have you know two successful titles, but what what about other titles? Were there other titles that you guys worked on that did not succeed, or are, are you guys like is everything a success so far for you guys? So, uh, as I said earlier, we before we started with um, Idle Manicum, we actually had one game, and it was called Frontier Wars, and it was basically kind of like. Um, Plants versus zombie core gameplay with a clash of clans city builder, but for 10 versus 10 multiplayer. Uh, and for, for us back then, before we knew what it meant to build a game, it sounded pretty cool to build such a game. But then we discovered how to build games, and then we obviously realized that the scope was way, way, way too big. Um, and this was also an important learning for us. And this was what then also influenced us on Idolmatic to really make sure that we we're able to ship something after. Um, after eight weeks. However, after that, we didn't build uh, any other game besides Idle Manticoon and Idle Factory Tycoon. Okay. And then what, what, what do you believe are some of the biggest lessons learned from your experience at Calibri overall or working on these titles? So if, in the end, it's a, about focusing on the player, about trying to understand what the player really wants and building a game that caters to their needs instead of building a game that we ourselves find cool. And with the first game, Frontier Wars, we thought it would be cool to have that, but we didn't really think about what it meant for the players to play such a game. With Idolmaticun then, on the other hand, we thought only about the player. How can we build a game that's working for the players? How can we build a game that people want to download and then want to keep playing? And this is some of our core values still today. We, I mean, we are very games as a service focus. We provide weekly updates. Uh, and every update, we think about what is in it for the players. How can we make the game a better game for our players? And I believe, well, of course, we earn money. We have, we have monetization in the game. Uh, we need to pay salaries. We're growing as a company. But in the end, I think the only way to build a sustainably, financially successful company is by providing a service and product that people want to play and want to engage with. And then they will, if you do things properly, they will happily pay and they will happily watch ads but in the end, it, you need to have a product that people want to use. Right. And then just, just kind of going back and drilling deeper into sort of your process for new game development, I, I, I was hoping we could kind of um, break it down a little bit more to explain to the audience. And so you, you mentioned there was a prototype. You mentioned that you wanted to uh, get something playable in eight weeks. And so is, is it like a prototype, then like um, an eight-week development cycle production cycle and then like what what are the and then what are the other stages and what are the specific objectives at each stage so we of course evolved the process over time so it's no longer as simple as it was in advertising <laughs> where we uh, just launched the game globally of course because now with a brand and marketing power and everything um we had to build a new approach 
and then the new approach is basically we, we work for two months on the prototype again that's playable then we test it internally for a month where we um, try to figure out if, if it's fun to play and, and then after three months if we think it's fun to play we release it on some test markets to learn about uh, early retention and um, organic downloads so basically like the the main KPIs, the one retention and um, daily organic downloads are still the same as they were back then, but we invest a bit more time uh, on the markets before really, really releasing the game globally. And so with the whole process, global release will take us six months instead of two months back then. Got it. And so just so I understand, so there's two months prototype, one month of testing, then it sounds like another potentially three months of soft launch. Yep. That that one month of testing uh, is that internal testing within within yep. the company. Okay, it's internal testing. We also not not purely internal. We also invite some friends, some people that we know, uh, because I think it's important to hand out the game to somebody who uh, who's never seen it before to see how they interact with the game. But this is not market testing, but more like I mean, a very early prototype. Does the UX work? Does the game crash? Is it fun to play? Right. Is the balancing working out? And then only after that, we test launch it or soft launch it. Okay. And, and then in terms of soft launch, are, are there specific criteria in, in the soft launch period before you guys hard launch? Um, so it's mainly retention. Back then, it used to be our focus was day one. Um, yep. Retention now, it's also day seven, day 30. Because, of course, like we, we became better as a company and uh, we also want to have a good day 30 retention. Uh, but the main KPI is still retention. I think monetization is something that we can add later to the game if the game is successful. Um, we are pretty focused or, or pretty good at rewarded ad monetization. We know how rewarded ads work out. We know that we can add them later to the game. However, if the retention is not good, then there's also no reason to add and monetization to it because then it will never be a successful game. Right. And then in terms of the team on these these projects, what are typically the size of the teams and then the breakdown in terms of like de- developers versus artists versus producers or PMs and that, that, that sort of thing? How does that generally break down for you guys? So we, we try to start very small um, to be agile and to be able to really have fast decisions instead of having to discuss things and getting a lot of opinions on it. So the way how we usually uh, staff is to have one product manager who's responsible for all the product decisions and who's responsible to deliver the game in time, and one or two developers, depending on uh, who the developer is in some, like, some circumstances. Sometimes you have a more generalist developer. Sometimes uh, it makes sense to have one developer who's more focused on architecture and one developer who's more focused on uh, Unity, for example, itself, um, one artist, one game designer, and one QA. But QA usually rather later in the process. So we have then a team of like five people. And with five people, it's very easy to sit in one room and make decisions fast, iterate fast. However, then once we are in soft launch and if we see that KPIs are promising, then we start adding a few more people to the product. And then after soft launch, it will probably be like eight, nine eight or nine people, and then it goes into our games-as-a-service phase where we then keep working on the game and um, potentially also scale the team on the game if the game is successful enough to justify it. 
Okay. And then just kind of looking more industry-wide, um, I'm not sure how much experience you have working with other game studios, but you know there are certainly a lot of companies that are having a lot of problems with this issue around new game development. And, and just in terms of your, your opinions, as far as some of the other people in, in industry, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that other companies make when it comes to this new game development process? I think the, the biggest mistake is to try and hide as long as possible before showing it to actual users. Um, because I believe in the end, real user feedback, market feedback is the most important thing. Um, and I don't believe personally that building a game for two years before soft launching it in some test markets uh, is the right approach. Um, because within two years, market change a lot and the risk is pretty high that you will have missed what the market wants. So. And obviously, there are different views on that topic, but that's why we as a company decided to launch early and to get real market feedback before the game is perfect and polished and has all the features and all the content. And we, however, of course, we then have to compensate for it once the game is live and in the games as a service phase where we then have to build all those features that uh, others would build in before launch. And so I, I'm a big believer in just launching early you can launch under some test account, some hidden markets. There are ways to do it if you don't want others to find out. Uh, but in general, I think that's the key uh, issue. Right. And then it sounds like you guys have a pretty good process that worked for you guys. But I'm wondering, you know, how much do you believe that the success in new game development is based upon like the process versus, you know, the specific person or team or the game design or other factors in achieving a successful outcome? I believe building successful new games is really hard. And, mm -hmm. and that's why I believe that you need to have all of it. I think you need to have good people on the game. You need to have proper process to, to enable the game to work out. You need to have a good product idea. You need to think a lot about what kind of game you build. But also in the end, I believe you need to have a lot of luck to be successful then. I think you can do all the right choices and in the end, still people don't <laughs> want to play the game, even though from a, like a theoretical standpoint, it's a very good game. So I think um, in the end, everything needs to work out. Okay. And then when we, look, when we look at the industry, we see some of the, especially the larger game companies, like, you know, whether it's Zynga, when we, and Zynga in particular, when we look at their growth, almost all of their growth has come from M&A rather than internally developed games. And other companies like Glue and other large companies seem to not be very successful at new game development relative to like live ops and optimizing games, right? And so I'm wondering, do, do you have any theories in terms of why you think some of these larger companies are having problems with new sort of internally developed game development? I think in the end, the reason is building new games is really, really hard, whereas scaling existing games is more controllable. I think if you have a game that's working out and you have live ops, new events, uh, you can work a lot with data uh, and optimizations. It's easier to do than building a completely new game where you don't know if it will work out or because you always need that that magic, and it's really hard to force that magic. And this is the main reason. Another reason, I believe, is that once you have a successful game, the bar for new games becomes very, very high. And if I think of Idle Manitakun, um, of course, now, for us, this was a really, really big success in the beginning because 
we had, had nothing else, but the revenues weren't so high back then. They were high for us uh, sitting in a student apartment, but for a company like Singa Glue uh, or every bigger company, the revenues would not have been significant at all. So I think one issue is that by having one successful product, you raise the bar for another product so high that it's really hard to compete uh, for the new product. And then also you, it's hard to give the product a chance and give it multiple years to grow. Like we had with Azimantech and it kept growing and growing and growing over years until it reached a size where it's also, where it would be relevant for those bigger companies, but it took us multiple years. So I think the combination of that, like you need that spark, that luck for the new game, but also uh, the bars are really high for new games. I think this is what makes it really hard for those companies to have new games. Got it. And then just kind of shifting gears to like the ideation process and the decision-making process when, when it comes to new game development. So, you know, how, how do you guys come up with ideas for new games? Um, and, 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 um, and then who ultimately sort of makes the call in terms of, okay, here are a bunch of ideas. This is the idea that we're going to work on. So um, there are a few boundaries, of course, for ideas. One is it needs to be an idle game. Um, which is very important for us as a company because we believe in focusing on one genre instead of having multiple genres. Um, it needs to be possible to build a testable game within our time frame. So if it's a, some 10 versus 10 multiplayer game, which would take two years to build, it would not fit our, uh, our process. Um, and then there are like, we need to be able to do it from our, with our tech that we use and so on. So there are some constraints on it. However, then on the other side, we also try to go very broad. We ask our players, for example, from time to time what they would wish for a new game. We ask the team what they would wish for a new game. And we always have that like constant idea flow. But then when it comes to actually executing on it, um, we have, as I said, the team structure of having one product manager uh, and he or she and then it needs to own the decision and we hold the product manager accountable for it. And then of course we also give feedback. It's not like we wouldn't say if we think this is a bad, the, the theme is a bad idea or the game idea is a bad idea, but in the end the product manager needs to make the call. Got it. And then how much of the, of the new game development process for you guys is based on science or data versus like gut intuition feeling? Do you guys try to balance those two or is it more, you know, um, so it's more on the like feeling and understanding players side. Right. Um, which I believe is also the, in the end, better approach because I think you can, or you, I mean, there are some companies that do it, but I believe that creating something new needs creativity. And I think data can always tell you where you need to improve. Data can always tell you if something is good or not. But I think data cannot tell you how to build a good game. Um, and of course, you can look on the market and see what kind of games are successful. You can check top crossing charts. And of course, we also do this. It's not like we are blind on that side. But in the end, the key is more what do we think will be a good game that players want to play. And then for us, data comes more uh, into play once the game is live, once we, we are on the market and then can do A-B testing, can uh, try to figure out how can we improve retention, all that stuff, but not so much in the idea creation process. 
Okay. So I, I just have one last question for you, Daniel, which is, okay, so what's, what's next for Calibri? Kind of looking into, into the future, uh, you know, are there new games planned? Are you guys want to just keep scaling up uh, Idle Miner Tycoon, not, you know, Idle Factory Tycoon, or uh, what, what do you have planned next for Calibri? So Calibri Games is a games as a service company. This means our main focus is always to scale the games that we have to provide our players that we have a good experience and make the games better every week. However, of course, even though this is our main focus, we also uh, want to have multiple games and we'll probably build a new game uh, next year once we have the resources ready and uh, the team ready for it. But main focus is uh, live games and Idle Tycoon and Idle Factory Tycoon. Awesome. All right. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for your time. It was great talking to you and getting more insight into how you guys approach new game development. So thank you very much. Thank you.